0: Screen Time with John Fardy This is News Talk
1: Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. Now I'm dropping the theme tune very quickly. I'm not even giving you what's coming up on the show because this is coming up on the show. <laughs> That is the sound of Vincent Price and that famous evil laugh. We are bringing you a special Halloween show where we're looking at our favorite horror movies, the best horror movies of all time. According to me and our resident critic, our main man, Mark Royal, who joins me in studio now to take a look at our favorite Halloween movies. An incredibly subjective list, but hopefully you'll agree with some of our choices. There will be things we won't get to, and you'll be going, oh my God, how come they didn't choose that? If you want to join the conversation, you can email us, screentimeatnewstalk.com, or I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Farty. Without further ado, Mark Royal, how are you, sir?
0: I'm good, John. If you disagree with any of our choices, you can email John underscore Farty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, you're confusing her now. Don't give out the wrong messaging. Mark's phone number is... Now, I want to say at the outset, Mark, I'll talk about him like he's not here, but he's a big horror man, more than I am. I mean, of course, I'm a cinephile. I know everything. But no, Mark knows a lot about horror because, Mark, it's a genre you're particularly fond of, right?
0: I am. Um, The one thing you hear an awful lot is, I can't watch horrors. I don't like them, you know? And... I do understand it right even if I don't necessarily agree with it and um, but when I hear somebody saying that they don't like horrors they can't watch them I think I, I always think well maybe you're just watching the wrong horror you yeah. know and um, because they're so diverse there's something there for to cater to all tastes. Um, so
1: it's a bit like maths in school when people go, I'm no good at maths and that's it for the rest of their lives. You're, you're
0: doing the wrong maths. I not I don't know enough about maths. To <laughs> Mark knows nothing about anything to, apart from film. I can't say if that analogy kind of scans. But anyway, I think like, there's something there for everyone. Okay. Um, and I do love a good horror. And on occasion, I can even love a bad horror.
1: Yes, you can.
0: You can. Um, I think I find there's something really comforting about them because yes, they're scary or at least they're supposed to be scary. But that can also be cathartic. Mm. and there's you get a slow build up to a scare but then that's followed by a release Mm. and there's a there's a shock but then there's a sense of relief um a lot of them rely on familiarity and they're rules based you know do this and you will live do that and you are going to die don't split up uh don't look in the cellar uh don't go running through the woods in a night dress and whatever you do try not to have sex and there is also a deep sense of tradition there. It's quite common for a director to reference another filmmaker's work and more than any other genre, I think you can see how one generation of filmmakers will uh, kind of pass the torch on to the next generation mm. and who, who will then, you know, put their own stamp on things and innovate while still being aware of the legacy of what's come before. And finally, just in contrast to mainstream cinema there is a there's a disproportionately high amount of well written female characters in horror mm,
1: that's a good point yeah
0: they're almost always entirely dominated by strong female leads, and the protagonist is is usually a woman and is usually a smart woman mm. um and you know unfortunately that remains unusual
1: yeah yeah and what's interesting you say about the genre itself that there's a possibility of more catharsis than a lot of other types of genre
0: for me i think so i I find them quite comforting i mean i'm i'm probably a bit Uh,
1: comforting because often there will be horror and scares but things work out in the end and the horror goes away
0: yes and you kind of you you the more you watch the the more you get used to that kind of rhythm Mm. and you know what to expect and anyway having said all that what have you got for
1: (laughs) us? Well, thank you for giving it over to me. Well, I was going to start, and thank you for your opening remarks, I was going to start with what I see as the daddy of them all. That is Mike O'Field's Tubular Bells, Mm. which of course is the theme tune of The Exorcist. Yep. Now, I wanted to start with this, and thank you for letting me go first. I mean, it is my show, <laughs> but you know. But because it is the daddy of them all as a horror movie, because it made horror, I don't want to say mainstream, but it was the first fide horror blockbuster, I think it's fair to say. Now, there was a whole show we could do about the palaver about The Exorcist and all that went on. Like, the on set problems where they refrigerated the the famous last scene where the serious exorcism has happened and Max Van Siddeau being freezing cold, the supposed curse, Mm. you know, and there was weird things and people dying and relatives of people dying. There's the whole infighting, you know, William Beatty and Freakin basically falling out. That's the director and the writer of the novel source material because they wanted a different version. Mm. There was all that. There was also... The whole religious aspect in the Catholic Church and people vomiting, supposedly, when they saw it. There's also the whole, like, psycho-cultural thing. Like, apparently it took Watergate off the front pages of American newspapers for a while because that's when it was all happening. But, Mm. park all that. Because it's quite instructive to park all that. Because this week... I said to my wife on Sunday evening, we have a project, darling. And she loves when I come down from the attic saying we have a project. But the films I'm talking about, we rewatched most of them. Okay. So I did my serious homework and we particularly enjoyed re-watching The Exorcist because I've seen it countless times and I've seen it in snatches over the years, if you know what I mean, at parties. And, I do. You know, and I think it was even in a nightclub once I saw it at some stage. And uh, so I wanted to watch it on its own terms. And I'm awfully glad I did because when you park everything, it remains an amazing horror movie and an amazing movie. Mm. It really is. So for people who don't know, and I presume most people do, it is the story based loosely on a story that happened in Maryland. The action is taken to, to Washington and you have a girl called Reagan, whose mother is a famous actress played by Ellen Burstyn, who Reagan starts to exhibit very strange behavior. They realize after all sorts of stuff with doctors and, you know, x-rays of her brains or they think she is possessed and then they send for a priest who is having his own crisis of confidence and isn't really sure that this is the life for him but he starts to help out with The Exorcist. But then, that's not working out so well, so they call in Max Van Siddo as this exorcist of repute who's been off in Iraq, if memory serves, digging up fossils that may have a demonic thing. And what people probably know of the movie is her demonic possession is terrifying. And as a mid-40s man watching it again with my wife, I found it disturbing and terrifying. And I think the movies that scare me the most in a way are the ones that, the most scary thing is, in horror anyway, when you're taking on God. Because it's the ultimate taboo in a way. It's one thing to have a witch or a wizard or something like that, but to have a demon whose sole purpose is to try and make you not believe God or lose faith in... Humanity, which is what the demon who possesses Reagan in this is trying to do. And some of the machines are still shocking. There's one involving a crucifix and the possessed Reagan does something. There's one where she walks down like a spider from the bedroom. There's one where she vomits on a priest. It goes on and on and on. And the stuff she says to her doctor and her mother and the things she does with her body are still to this day chilling. They really are. So... The Exorcist is amazing. And I watched it this week and it still is.
0: It's infinitely quotable, none of which we can quote. No, no,
1: none (laughs) of which is quotable. And, you know, despite saying that I don't want to get into the palaver of the movie, but, you know, uh, Friedkin, who directed it, said, you know, he was really annoyed with Blatty when he wanted to do an extended version because they edited it and mm. the, this extended version was released in the mid-noughties.
0: I think, but, yeah, they made up. They, yeah. They fell out for a while and then But they made up. he
1: said to him this great thing, you're a sore winner. Why do we <laughs> want to touch this movie? But they made up. Now, I watched the redone version of it and I do think it is slightly better for what they put back in. Yeah. That notwithstanding, whatever version you watch, it is visceral, amazing, horrifying cinema that is as good as it ever was 50 years later. It's Mark Amode's favourite movie Mm. and it's hard to argue with, you know?
0: It is. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies like Blade Runner. Which version did you watch?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, if it was okay, I wanted to play a bit of Max Van Siddo and the other priest whose whose actor's name momentarily escapes me. Uh, It'll come back to me in a moment. It'll be fine. But the two of them are there and they are viciously trying to get rid of this demon from Regan. And they are just almost, it's like a poem. They're acting out this incantation to rid Regan of the demon.
0: The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! The The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! you. He brought you low by his blood-stained Christ. Do not despise my
1: command because you know me to be a sinner. It's God himself who commands you. Oh! The very scary sounds of The Exorcist, which to my mind is maybe the greatest horror movie ever made, one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Mark, we better move over to you. It was Jason Miller, that's who I was thinking of, who plays the other priest, who's having a crisis of conscience and is brilliant. And, And I don't want to give a spoiler, but what happens to him at the end is a brilliant trope it, is, yeah. it really is it's great
0: unusual priest
1: yes unusual priest smokes and I drinks and
0: on just on the the cursed uh, movie thing back, max von sido said if you're working on a movie for 2 weeks nothing's going to happen if you're working on a movie for 9 months things are going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it ran, that was another thing, it ran way over yeah, schedule yeah. and the refrigeration and all that. But as I say, that's another show. The Exorcist, if you've just tuned in, we're doing a screen time special where we're looking at our favourite horror movies and ones we think are incredibly significant in the genre. We've been talking now for 10 minutes and Mark, outside of his opening remarks, hasn't got to his first choice, but without further ado.
0: Yeah, without further ado. Okay, so I'm going to, my, my first choice is kind of an odd one. It would, first of all, it'd be unthinkable to do a show about horror were they talking about the Master of John Carpenter? Yes. Now, Halloween would be the obvious choice.
1: Yes. The, However, your obvious choice. Can I play the clip you sent me? Oh,
0: that well, you, you wanted. Please played? do. Yes, yeah. yes. Now,
1: listeners, I should say he doesn't have the same aural ambition for the show oh, that God I do. Almighty. So this may it's be a bit. Fine. This, you know, this doesn't have the normal care and love. It is it's from the eighties. But anyway, take a listen. The light fades. Darkness falls.
0: The air grows cold. The earth trembles. Pages turn. Something moves. We're all cursed. Ours. It's too late to run. It's too late to scream. The fog is here. John Carpenter's *The Fog*, rated R.
1: Yes, we are, of course, talking about *The Fog*, which is actually a creepy advert for it. There,
0: it was, yeah, and it's very much of the time. Um, so yeah, uh, Halloween would be the, you know. The, the, but the, the, the thing also could be uh, easily another choice, but it's another masterpiece. I've talked about that the thing already when we did our best ending show, yeah. and I, I try not to repeat myself. Indeed you do. Um, so yeah, I've gone for something. The Fog has got a very dear place uh, in in my heart. I think it's the first horror that I saw that wasn't one of those universal ones from the 1940s like Dracula or Frankenstein. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, I was probably too young. I think it was probably about eight or nine. Must have been the first time it was on TV. And I genuinely did not sleep properly for about a month um it's it's an old-fashioned ghost story it's about the town of antonio bay it's celebrating its own 100 centenary but antonio bay is a town that's built on blood and lies because a hundred years previously the founder's Uh, of the town deliberately sank a leper ship that was supposed to start a colony on the edge of the settlement and the passengers drowned and the founders then used the ship's gold to fund the town into prosperity and now 100 years later the ghosts of captain blake and his crew are appearing in this eerie and supernatural fog and they're taking revenge on six souls from the town um i think of the Fog as John Carpenter's difficult second album, although it wasn't his second movie because he'd already done Dark Star and he'd done Assault and Precinct 13 even before he did Halloween. Um, the Fog was his this, the second movie that he co-wrote with uh, the, uh, his producer Deborah Hill. So at that time there was this perception that this was the follow up and there was an expectation that it was also going to be another smash hit because mm-hmm. Halloween was just a phenomenal hit. Um, things didn't really turn out that way because what happened was that Carpenter had shot it and he had edited it and he had composed the music and then he watched it and the first cut turned out to be really really bad okay. and Carpenter has said this many many times but the first cut was just terrible it didn't work at all and most importantly it just wasn't scary so he said let's go fix this. And let's make it better. And he reshot it and he included lots of extra scenes and he recut it. And then he composed, he recomposed an entirely new score, which is what we, it was the version that we have now. Mm-hmm. And it, my, in my opinion, it is plenty scary. Um, one of the great things about Halloween was that the killer was just a regular guy, but the fog takes a very, very different approach and, and the threat or the monster in the fog is uh, supernatural in nature. And, The inspiration for the movie came from a trip to Stonehenge in England with uh, with him him and Deborah Hill. Um, They were at Stonehenge and I think it was around October. And this this fog came rolling in and Carpenter thought to himself, what do you think is in in there? You know, Mm. and I think it's what what the fog does really well. It's it's the fear of the unknown. It's it's uh, it's opening the door to the dark and then turning your back against the darkness and what you see is always way more scary than what you what you don't see is way more scary than what you do and the mind tends to fill in the blanks
1: and because I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid it's not a
0: very common it's you wouldn't know. but I do
1: remember watching it I and we'll talk about this in a minute because I saw some of these movies far too young and and one or two. Not that there's away. anything wrong with that. No, but my <laughs> memory of the fog. Honestly, I think I might have been the same age as you when yeah. I saw it on BBC. But it's that encroaching fog yeah. that's terrifying. And when you stand back and think about it, fog is quite scary, you know.
0: It is, yeah. And there's also a kid in this who was probably mm. around the same age yeah. as I was. Um, it's also got a rare example of a double jump scare. Um, okay. <laughs> what happens is there's the scene with Jamie Lee Curtis on a boat and um, this cabin door jumps open and some stuff falls on her and she laughs and we're all relieved and then just as you've caught your breath uh, straight away Carpenter hits you with a second one and okay. th- like this time it's a, it's a bloody corpse um, the major selling point at the time was Janet Lee uh, appearing with her daughter Jamie Lee Curtis Um, for the first time. To be honest, they don't really have much interaction at all. Hal Hal, Halbrook is an alcoholic priest, uh, Father Malone, and I think he's the standout. He gives a very, very unsettling performance and he's one of the good guys, but he's a really, really weird good guy. Um, And I think, just to finish up, if it has a weak spot for me, I think it's Tom Atkins. Okay. Because... Atkins Tom Atkins was in every other horror movie during the 1980s, and he plays uh, this mustachioed tough guy love interest for Jamie Lee Curtis. And at the time of the Fogs release in 1980, Jamie Lee Curtis was I think around 22, um, and Atkins was over twice her age. He was 45, and he looks every inch of 45. Okay. <laughs> but that didn't stop Carpenter including this this really clangy scene where 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 they ha- they sleep with each other and then. Jamie Lee Curtis shows him some of her etchings post-coitus, um, I don't know if Atkins had something written into his contract, but he's got a very similar scene with an equally young actor in uh, uh, Halloween Three. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, it's far creepier than anything else in the movie.
1: <laughs> so, did you rewatch this recently? I don't
0: have to. I, I it's, okay. it's embedded in my memory. I do. Kind of, I tend to watch it if I have if I have the house to myself. I would probably put on. I I could watch it maybe once a year around this time of year
1: but you're still recommending this for listeners despite the the sands of time and all that this is still a movie that will genuinely creep them out
0: I think so okay, it, okay. There, was a, there, was a, there was a remake please avoid the remake yeah. with the guy who played uh, Superman on on in, I think he was in Smallville yeah, I, can't remember I, I remember it, you
1: saying that but yeah.
0: just, just don't watch that one
1: <laughs> well that is Mark's first entry into Screen Time's list of our favourite uh, Halloween no, I was going to say Halloween movies horror movies of all time you can get in touch with us Screen Time at News Talk is the email address or you can tweet me John underscore 40. Now, we're going to take a quick ad break and we're going to have loads more horror movies before that. But before we do, I want to do this. News Talks, Weekend of Winning. Yes, we have a brilliant competition for you this week, all across the station. We have a very special Bank Holiday Weekend prize you and your family will never forget. It's an amazing family trip for two adults and two children to Disneyland Paris. This includes returns flights to Paris with coach transfers to Disneyland. Three nights B&B in Disney's Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel. Theme park passes for four days and 500 euros spending money. To enter, just answer this question. Who is Mickey Mouse's sweetheart? Is it A, Minnie, or B, Pluto. Text the word PLAY and then A or B to 57557. That's 57557. Text costs 250 plus your standard message rate to play. You have to be over 18 years old. You are playing across the Go Loud network of stations. Full terms are on our website at Newstalk.com. Get your entry in by 10pm on Monday night. Text PLAY and A or B to 57557 and you will be in with a chance to win that pretty amazing competition. Now Mark, after the break a lot more horror, so stay tuned folks Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and movie show The man you heard sighing there in the background is Mark Ryle. You are listening to a special Screen Time where Mark is in studio with me and we are looking at our favourite, the best horror movies of all time on this uh, Halloween weekend Mark, it's my turn and have a listen to this. Christus, amen, amen, Christus, the creepiest horror music ever, I think it's fair to say. Isn't it? The soundtrack by Jerry Goldsmith to The Omen. Okie dokie. Yeah. Oh, it, it terrifies <laughs> me. It really does terrify me. Now, The Omen. I saw this, not to personalise this, no, but I saw this when I was far too young, I can't remember, like I could have been eight, I mean, if Tussler are listening, you know, it wasn't good. And it terrified me, like it, it, and to this day, like it's in my psyche somewhere. Like it's a a scary touchstone for me. About 12 years ago, I was sent on an assignment on the Tom Dunn show to do a report from a graveyard on Halloween at midnight and I was a bit freaked out <laughs> and I was thinking of The Omen at times. So this movie runs deep with me. In case listeners don't know, The Omen, and I'm not talking about the second and third one, which were, okay, Sam Neill is the grown-up Omen, wasn't too bad, but then all the others and all. I'm talking about the original from the 70s. Gregory Peck plays uh, ambassador to the UK. He starts out somewhere as he moves to the UK. Lee Remick and him have a baby or do they? A child becomes into his possession, let's say. Possession being the key word. And it turns out, the child is the son of Satan, or the offspring of Satan. And you know, there is some psychological Freudian thing, the idea of a child being a demon, being the son of Satan. And The Omen is by no means a perfect movie. I re-watched it this week, this project I had with my wife rewatching these great horror movies, and there are flaws in it. But it is a brilliant scare. The innocent eyes of a child slowly turning evil and being evil. The Damien character, the people around him, the the, the servants of Satan, the dogs, the nanny who come to protect him. It's spine tingling, it really is. The slow realisation on Gregory Peck that his son is not well and that there may be something wrong with him and the slow realisation that he is in fact the offspring of Satan, he is in fact the Antichrist, is truly terrifying in this movie. And in case you don't know, you know, Kierkegaard the philosopher talked about Abraham being the champion of faith because he was tested by God to kill his own son, right? So this goes deep. Uh, Gregory Peck's character is tasked with possibly killing his own son because he sees that he's the son of Satan when he checks him for a birthmark. You know, I talked in the first half of the show about movies that are kind of anti-God being very scary. I don't think anyone more than this is anti the figure of God because he is the antichrist and they keep saying that and that's a very scary concept the idea of Christ or God being all good and the anti of that being everything bad it's truly truly terrifying and you may remember I'm not sure how well you remember the omen i let you in now but the photographer who realizes that every photo he's taken of the people who've died in it he's sent to take pictures of uh Damien's birthday and stuff with the supposedly newsworthy American ambassador to the UK and all these people keep dying and in every photograph there is this weird kind of dark line going through their neck. It's terrifying when he sees his own photo having one of them in it. It's a truly scary movie and I watched it again with my wife this week for part of our project and I was terrified at times. Now, it may be my own history with it, haven't seen it too young, but it is a brilliant brilliant horror movie and all the stuff you've heard about it is true if you haven't seen it. The first omen movie is a horror classic. Discuss. Mm. I
0: have to, I I really have to ask you more about why Tom Dunn sent you to a graveyard in the middle of the
1: night. We (laughs) just thought it would be an interesting thing to do and I had to say, like I had to do some scary stuff like trying to invoke ghosts and stuff. I was secretly terrified. I
0: probably would have turned that down if I Yeah
1: well I was keen to get on the air you know I would have done anything then. But, gigs uh, a gig, huh? Yeah, gigs a gig. But no, but but that's how deep the omen runs at me. Are you a fan yeah. of the omen? I know you haven't you, watched it in a I'm moment.
0: not overly familiar with it. Not to personalise it either, because I don't want to, because that's just like, nobody cares. But I do, like my, <laughs> my sister tells me a lot. My sister's around 10 years older than me. When she went to see this in the cinema, she came home and she went up to my bedroom to check my scalp for the mark of the beast <laughs> because I was hard work.
1: <laughs> and you know, th- that, that whole thing about children being it's, demonic is it, terrifying.
0: Yeah, but the exorcist is the same thing. Yeah. You're talking a lot about, you know, God and the, op- you know, the the opposite of God. But there's also that thing of it's happening to a kid. That, yes. That's bad
1: as well. Yeah, it right? is, absolutely. Because it's the greatest innocence corrupted. It, it, it's truly terrifying. And the action moves to Italy, you may remember, when they're going to track, da- track down this, you know, uh, person or thing who may have given rise to this child. It's too terrifying. With your permission, let me take a quick clip. This is a priest talking to Gregory Peck about his son.
0: Your son, Mr. Thorne, the son of the devil. He will kill the unborn child, then he will kill your wife. And when he is certain to inherit all that is yours, then, Mr. Thorne... He will kill you. That's enough. And with your wealth and power, he will establish his counterfeit kingdom here on earth, receiving his power directly from Satan. You're insane. He must die, Mr. Thorne. You asked for five minutes, and you've got five minutes. Go to the city of Megiddo. See Pugh before it's too late. Now, I've heard you. I want you to hear me. I never want to see you again.
1: you see me in hell, Mr. Thorne. Yes, the very scary omen there, which is my second choice. That's the first omen, by the way, from 1976, I should say. Mark, your second choice is what?
0: It's, from this, it's more kids, and it's from the same year that the, the Fog was released, and I'm going to talk about The Shining, uh-huh. from 1980 as well. Um, obviously, it's based on the Stephen King novel. Obviously, he hated the movie for reasons which are... I never understand. I'd rather watch a a bad adaption of a book that's a good movie mm. than a faithful adaption Absolutely. of a book that is awful. Yeah. And there's plenty of them. And
1: was that a King's gripe that it wasn't it, faithful it, it,
0: I think his gripe was Kubrick veered too far away from okay. the source material. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah it's a it's a it's a Stanley Kubrick horror which is to say that it's not your average horror um uh of course he kubrick had elements of horror in in his other stuff like i suppose uh, particularly 2001 open the, the pod bay doors Hall. that's horror mm. you know but um this is this is kubrick's one and only pure horror mm-hmm. i suppose you could call it um and uh in a, in a career of you know career defining roles I think The Shining is one of Jack Nicholson's career definiest mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, which isn't a word but I'm, I'm, I'm making am one I'm fine
1: with it I know what you mean
0: um, he plays a guy who gets a job as an off-season caretaker for this huge hotel in the Rockies called The Overlook and the job involves spending the winter months alone in the hotel with only his wife who's played by Shelley Duvall and a small son who's played by Danny Lloyd And alarm bells should be ringing for Jack five minutes into the job interview when he finds out that the previous caretaker went mad and murdered his wife and kids. But Jack thinks that's just peachy and he carries on. And then, of course, things go to hell in the handcart quite quickly.
1: Yes, indeed they do. Now, is the scariest thing in The Shining, Jack Nicholson's transformation—is it the weird children? Is it what? What is it that makes for such scary viewing in The Shining?
0: There are most of the scares are tangible ones, mm. right? You've got the the evil twins, you've got the rivers of blood, you, you've got whatever's going on in Room Two Three Seven with that that woman in yes. the bath. Um, but there is there's this overwhelming sense of isolation mm. that is it's established way early from the very opening shots when they're traveling through the mountains to this this location um it's 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 a there's a, a very quick realization that when things start going wrong no one is coming to help um and i suppose it's, it's, it's a horror that lifts the lid on your head and it crawls in and stays there and it wraps its feelers around your cerebral cortex. There are, as we've already talked about, there are many, many horrors about kids experiencing supernatural things. But even if the parent of the kid doubts what, what, they are, what they've seen or what, what's happening to them, by and large, the parent remains supportive and, you know, above all, protective of the child, not in The Shining. Yeah, um one of the many many terrifying things about this is that it takes the you know the self-evident principle of the parent as protector and it turns it completely on its head Mm -hmm. and you know the very thing that is supposed to nurture and keep you safe from harm is the thing that now wants to kill you and uh, you know the monster is already in the house if you like yeah if i had one criticism it Mm -hmm. is the character of 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 halloran um scatman crudders plays um i think one of the most ineffectual characters in any horror i have ever seen basically what happens is that he is chilling in his miami holiday rental with the you know with the the funky wall art yeah and then his his psychic aerials start tweaking that that something is wrong and danny's in trouble so he He goes all the way from miami to colorado which involves at least one long haul flight he then has to rent a car and then he has to rent a snowcat to get up to the overlook in the middle of a blizzard and he is not in the door 30 seconds when jack nicholson jumps out and plants an axe in his chest (laughs) and i think i suppose the reason for that scene is to uh, to give a false sense of hope and that something might it'll be okay but um and then that gets yanked under your feet but you know every time i watch it I, i think you know Dick Halloran, why did you even bother?
1: Sure, but, but, but stay in the light, as they say. A couple of things I want to say about that is, you know, people always talk about the Jack Nicholson transformation, how brilliant he is, and here's Johnny and all that. But Shelley Duvall, as a terrified spouse, is for, amazing. For the
0: entire movie.
1: Yeah, you know, but but just her increasing terror and horror of yeah. what her husband is becoming and her concern for her. She's brilliant in
0: it. Yeah, and a rough shoot. I mean, it's well known that Kubrick would... Uh, do uh, he he would you know over 100 takes yeah. as 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 the norm yeah and you know Shelley Duvall I think is you know she really went through hell
1: yeah yeah and that's actually a, a, a common uh, trope on some of these movies or a common motif they they were hard to film a lot of they times they
0: were and it's just dawned to me that you know um Danny Lloyd didn't didn't act afterwards and I think the same thing could be said of the the kid in the omen I yeah. think you
1: know <laughs> Linda Blair
0: Linda Blair had a career, yeah. although she oh, sorry, was. Sorry, the kid in the Omen, yeah, sorry, yeah, as yeah. opposed
1: to The Exorcist. Yeah, Linda Blair had a tough time, though. You
0: she, know? everyone had a tough yeah. time. No, exactly. Not to go backwards, but like uh, there's stuff that happened on the set of The Exorcist I that know. would get somebody fired yeah absolutely today. nowadays and rightly so and rightly okay so.
1: so your second choice is The Shining which I yep. I completely agree with and a brilliant film not not I notwithstanding what you said about uh, Dick Halloran yeah that that, <laughs> that is a bit odd but anyway it is an amazing piece of cinema and the kid going along the carpet on the trike and the strange girl showing up oh scary I hope you're feeling spooky listeners this is Screen Time's special best horror movies here this Halloween weekend I'm with Mark Royal if you want to suggest anything John underscore Friday is my Twitter handle, or you can email us, screentimeatnewstalk.com. Now, Mark, before the next ad break, I want to give you my third choice, and I'm going yep. with The Blair Witch Project. Okie And again, for people who've just tuned in, I re-watched all these movies this week, and a bit like The Exorcist, although The Blair Witch Project is nothing like The Exorcist, but this is somewhat being lost in the sands of time, or not lost, but it's become the event has become bigger than the movie itself. But you forget what a great film this is because it changed cinema and movies like Paranormal Activity and all sorts of things. This mockumentary kind of thing happened and the huge success of it. It was made for sixty thousand dollars. It went in to make I read different estimates, but one was two hundred and fifty million. Like so yeah. it was huge. And that can get you can get kind of lost in all the story around it. But having rewatched it this week You forget it is a great piece of how to do a horror, I would suggest. In case you don't know, the story is three young, I was going to say kids, but they're not. They're teenagers, early 20s, go in to a place in Maryland to a woods to track. They're going to make a documentary. The Blair Witch, as the name suggests, is this legendary witch character. And they're going to interview people and stuff and they go into the woods. Never go into the woods, you would have thought. And the uh, conceit of the movie is we're told this is the footage. The movie is basically the footage that they were left. They have disappeared. A year later, the footage was found. And you may remember when the movie first came out, people thought that this was real, that it wasn't a mockumentary. But what you have is these three, one girl, Heather and Josh and Mike, going into the woods. And it's all very jolly ho-ho at the start. And they interview people around this place, Buckettsville in Maryland. And then... Weird things happen on the trail of the Blair Witch and the people they're interviewing. And it all takes place without any real special effects. And it's terrifying. So there's noises outside their tent. Strange patches of stone show up in weird pyramid shapes. And then weird stick figures And star-like things appear on the trees, and more and more of these happen. And it's the power of suggestion. is so brilliantly done in The Blair Witch, it is genuinely terrifying. And as that tension ramps up, and it's a very short movie, it's only 84 minutes, it goes to a crescendo in, I don't want to give a spoiler, in a cabin in the woods... And it ends absolutely brilliantly. It is a terrifying ending. And it is the best kind of jump scare that I can remember in a movie or certainly one of the best of them. So I would urge people, the Blair Witch Project, re-watch it. It still works. It really does.
0: I haven't seen it since it was released um, so, you know, I, I can't really, well, I tell you what I do, I mean, it's hugely influential mm. on horror for yeah. decades afterwards. And what I will say about that is I can't tell you the amount of really bad found footage horrors yeah. that because it costs nothing to make, yeah. it made an absolute mint. And for about 15, 20 years afterwards. Yeah. There was nothing but found footage, Harris. The other reason I kind of am a bit ambivalent towards it is that it actually um, uh, knocked John Carpenter's Halloween off the (laughs) position of the most successful independent movie of all time. Oh, wow. Based on budget two. A okay. gross profit,
1: and you're very fond of Halloween.
0: I am. Very that said, fond though, of
1: <laughs> it is really worth a watch because the horror aspect of it really still stands up. It was yeah. quite scary, as I revisited it this week. You're listening to a special Screen Time. We will be back after the break with more of our favourite scary movies. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time. This is the third part of our very special. Best horror movies. It's a very subjective list that me and my resident critic are resident critic, not mine. He doesn't belong to me. I wish he did. Mark Royal and I are choosing our favourite horror movies of all time if you want to get in touch with us John underscore Farty is my Twitter handle or you can email us screentime at newstalk.com so far we've talked about The Exorcist The Omen We from Mark we have talked about The Fog by John Carpenter we've also talked about The Shining just before the break now we still have a lot to get through and we only have about 15 minutes left so without further I'll ado Mark
0: yeah, okay, very quickly. That was your cue. <laughs> next, uh, My next choice is uh, Dario Argento's Suspiria from ah. 1977. Um, it is one of those movies that just gets to you from the very first scene. It's, it's very obvious that this is going to be very unsettling and very disturbing. But the thing is that you probably won't be able to really put your finger on what exactly is so unsettling and disturbing about it. It is just woven into the film's DNA. Um, Suspiria is about a young American ballet student who's played by Jessica Harper. And she transfers to this prestigious Freiburg Dance Academy in Germany. Um, where unfortunately the staff want to kill the students because, it, as it turns out, the academy is run by a coven of witches. Isn't it always the way? Yes. With these things. Um, it's a fairy tale. It opens with a voiceover that almost says, once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like all of Grimm's fairy tales, it turns into a nightmare. Um, and you can see the influence of, of Disney's 1937 version of Snow White on Jessica Harper's lead role. She doesn't quite eat a poisoned apple, but she does drink some dodgy wine. and there is is Our Wicked Witch. Um, German Expressionism was also a big influence, particularly mm-hmm. the, the cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Not only in did the, the, the sets, which are really, really elaborate and overly theatrical, but also in the style of performance, which is quite exaggerated and larger than life, might be a bit much to take on the first viewing. Um, what it is, it's um, it is it's it's a a, a form of Italian horror um, called uh, giallo, and I think if you've got. Certain preconceived notions of of what horrors are, look like, or that they're you know unsophisticated, I think *Suspiria* will blow those notions out of the water because this is an incredibly stylish movie. It looks gorgeous um color is a huge part of it the reds aren't just red they're redder than red the yellows and the greens are unnaturally vivid and it's one of those movies you watch and you think how the hell was that achieved because it is like nothing you've ever seen before and they are colors that don't exist in nature and this ultra garish color palette of suspiria it was achieved for film nerds. It was a f- achieved through a process of using eight-moded te- Technicolor film stock. Um, it's a sumptuous-looking movie. Um, it's just—it's creepy because it's—it's it's an Italian giallo that's set in Germany, and it has an American protagonist. There's there's an element of you know um, Harper being a stranger in a strange land. You've also got this weird thing where most of the the um, the actors aren't. English and they're mm-hmm. dubbed so that adds to the weirdness. It's got an absolutely demented musical score by the Italian prog rock band Goblin and it just amps up the weirdness. Yeah. Uh, I hate when people say this but if you get the chance you see it in the cinema if there's ever a screening of Suspiria please go because it's an assault on the senses and it sound is so important and it's not a movie that you can watch on low volume at home.
1: Yeah, I remember the music actually, it's a long time since I saw yeah. it but is it a quest like, no, you clearly don't think this but devil's advocate, is it style over substance or is it? Is, I think it is, it's, is it's, there good horror scares? In
0: it's style as substance style is the whole point of it. Style as substance. Ah, style wow. style as substance. I know where you're coming from before. suggesting that it's style over substance but no I think style is intrinsic within mm. it it's the the, the 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 scares are on a primal level mm. you know they're it's it's a visceral movie and it's it's an assault on the senses and it really does reward being seen as a viewing experience
1: okay okay and in the cinema you're suggesting
0: if you can I mean I, I like I said I don't like it when people say that because <laughs> like who the hell are you to tell me how I'm gonna watch no, my I movies? I think
1: I've said it many times, but I don't know, sometimes it does seem fitting, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Now, Argento Suspiria is Mark's penultimate. Th- that's the word I'm desperately groping for. <laughs> choice. Now, Mark, I'm just cognizant of the fact, you know, the shining, the omen, the exorcist, Suspiria, the fog, they're all 70s, early 80s. Now that <laughs> has something to do with our age and all, and I'm gonna update it now slightly, yeah. but are you of As the am I. are you of the opinion that I don't know. It
0: was a golden age of horror.
1: Well, clearly it was, but are they still making good horror
0: movies? They are still making good horror movies. Okay. Just quickly, I want to mention we've got a really really healthy uh homegrown horror film industry mm-hmm. in this country. Um two of the best in recent years would be Lee Cronin's The Hole in the Ground. Here here. And also Kate Dolan's You Are Not My Mother, and You Are Not My Mother is currently on Netflix, so it's easily accessible if you haven't seen. You could do an awful lot worse. Both two fantastic
1: movies. I completely agree with you on that. Now, I wanted to update things slightly, and I'm not going to say a huge amount about this because it's important that you watch this film pretty much on its own terms. And I'm talking about 2017's Hereditary. Tony Collette is the mother in a family. She has two children, a kind of stoner son and a very creepy 13-year-old daughter, I think she is. And she's married to, I was going to say Peter Gabriel. No, she's married to Gabriel (laughs) Byrne. That would be interesting. Peter Gabriel Byrne. (laughs) And it's in middle America. And her mother dies and we learned that her mother was not a very nice matriarch of the family and we're not entirely sure why it's slowly slowly revealed the first 90 minutes of this movie have a slow growing dread and then the last 30 minutes of it slap you in the face with all out scary, scary horror. Tony Colette lies to Gabriel Byrne about where she's going in the evening. She says she's going to the movies, but she's actually going to a bereavement group where she gets to talk about her mother. And she meets. And I, I don't. I don't know how much further I want to go in this because hereditary is the title. And let's just say things have to do with the past and what we might inherit. But what I love about this is that the last 30 minutes of it, a lot of it takes place outside in brightness and it's still very, very scary. The creeps in this movie, there's a couple of jump scares in it that really scared the living SH-1T out of me. It's not like a lot of other horror movies and what you were talking about Suspiria there there's just a feeling of quiet dread that pervades this movie that's even hard to say how they achieved it one of the key things though is Toni Collette it's it's her best role and she's been in some great great things but she's absolutely controversial I know I just think she's amazing in this as a mother who You see, I don't want to give a spoiler because I think people should watch Hereditary because it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. And Mm. it's from 2017. So I just wanted to point out that we are looking at, there are still some great horrors being made and Hereditary is absolutely chief among them, I would suggest. Have you seen Hereditary?
0: I've seen it twice. Uh, I rewatched it the day before yesterday. Okay. Just for this very show. Well, thank you very Um, much. The first time I saw it, I was disappointed. Because, because he's heard it was great. Because to be honest, I wasn't watching it properly, mm-hmm. and this time I rewatched it, and my god, it just it puts its foot on the pedal and it doesn't let up for two plus hours. Yeah, and those last thirty minutes, I mean, it, it, things escalate pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what you were saying about the the scares, there's what Ari Aster does.
1: Sorry, it's s- Ari Aster's first movie. Yeah, who yeah, gave us he, Midsummer? Midsummer,
0: as well. which is also tremendous. Yeah. But what he does so well. And which I'm going to talk about in my last choice as well, is how he, how he uses the frame mm-hmm. and where your eye is focused on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there are plenty of scares in this yeah. where you're looking in one place, yeah. but it's not the right place.
1: No, I know. And then if you look <laughs> and you go, oh my God, how long has that been in the corner of the <laughs> oh shot? It's God. so brilliantly done. Yeah. And in a tiny bit like Blair Witch, like yeah. there's not huge, you know, pyrotechnics involved or anything like that yeah. it's simple placing of a camera and sights and sounds it yeah. really is a genuinely scary intriguing movie Gabriel Bourne doesn't have much to do in it but well, he's I really Gabriel good Bourne. as the
0: disbelieving husband he
1: is really really good yeah. at it. And, 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 and where things go but can you get what I'm saying about I don't want to get into it too much because I think it's a type of movie come to knowing very little about
0: yeah absolutely I think if you're a fan of horror you will have seen Hereditary okay. but I mean it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the best horrors of the last Uh, you know 10 years yes absolutely absolutely
1: okay that is my final choice in the uh, screen time list of our favourite horror movies and what we think are the best Mark en route to your last one can I just talk about maybe one or two notable exceptions that we didn't get to so I would have if we had more time I would have loved to have mentioned uh Candyman, because I know it's not a perfect film, but I think there's some genuinely scary scary scenes in that, and the the, the original Candyman. Stephen King's It, the first one. Uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, is a very terrifying movie. There were loads we didn't get to. We didn't talk about Halloween, really, because you've mentioned it many times yeah. before.
0: I, could, I probably could have easily picked Mandy from yes. a couple of years back. That was just phenomenal. I tried, I didn't go near any zombie movies because mm-hmm. for me they're kind of a separate thing Yeah. Uh, similarly I didn't pick anything that was too jokey I could no. have equally talked about The Cabin in the Woods which is re- which really does some very original things with horror yeah. but it's a bit you know too many yeah. laughs
1: and you know Scream has its merits at uh, the first one as not a, a fan ok fair enough <laughs> but also Texas Chainsaw Massacre which I think is considered a horror isn't it, it scared oh, it the is. life yeah, out yeah. of me I would love to have mentioned that but we didn't have time so if you're getting in touch with us to say why did not you mention this I'm sorry we just didn't have time but we do welcome your correspondence, Screentime at Newstalk.com or you can tweet me John underscore forty. now finally Mark on the Halloween weekend what's your final choice of the greatest horror movies I think I talked
0: I said a couple of weeks back uh, this is one of the best horror movies of recent um, years and it is it follows from 2014 Mm -hmm. Um, how do I explain what's going on in this it's about uh, it's another one of those cursed objects I suppose things where it's about a deadly curse that gets passed on through intercourse um so you know sexual intercourse sexual intercourse yeah not not verbal
1: (laughs) no one needs to check in this day and age
0: um micah monroe all of the characters in this are teenagers there's a distinct lack of um there's no adults or grown-ups really at all uh micah monroe plays jay and she's seeing this guy sort of seeing this guy and the guy uses her to get rid of this curse that he has and to pass it on to her and the 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 curse is what it's referred to only as it in the movie. It's not, doesn't have a name like yeah. the thing or, you know, whatever it's, and it's never really talked about. It's this, but what it is, it's a benevolent entity that takes the form of a random person, any random person. Yes. And that slowly and purf- pur- purposefully walks towards its victim, makes its way towards its victim. It could be anywhere in the country or on the planet, but yeah. there is a thing um, that is, that is, no matter what you do or where you go, there is something coming for you, and it means to do you harm, and it is relentless. Mm. So that's the setup. Um, the it, 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 what and Like Hereditary, I think the camera is really, really important in this. It, it, it's got a sort of a predatory point of view. Um, it was directed by David Robert Mitchell, who followed it up incidentally, with the equally bizarre and fascinating uh, neo-noir Under the Silver Lake with Andrew Garfield, which mm-hmm. was one of the first movies that we reviewed on this very show. Well, there you go. Um, but he he uses misdirection a, an awful lot, where, you know, where where is the point of focus in yeah. this shot and where am, I, where am I supposed to be looking? And, um, you know, where is the thing that is going to scare the bejesus out of me going to appear from? And every single time, I guarantee that wherever your eye is being drawn to in the frame that is not where the thing is going to be happening. Um, you know, where something is suddenly going to peel away from the background and start Mm -hmm. making its way creeping towards you. It's full of those, um, Oh hell no moments. Mm Do you know? Yeah. And it's, it's so relentless that it's almost exhausting, Okay. but it is just, it's one of the most well put together horrors of, you know, re- in recent memory. of
1: recent time, and it sounds like there may be also some genuine scares in it as well.
0: Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Things good. come where you know, but you're you're kind of relaxed and you're not expecting something, and then it something comes out of nowhere. So for the entire movie, you're just on edge.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. That is it. Follows the final selection of Mark from what year again?
0: 2014.
1: Yeah, so just, it wasn't all Old Man River stuff. We are two middle-aged men <laughs> in our 40s. So we have tried to also talk about new movies that weren't just from our child. I'm
0: trying, dammit.
1: Yeah, you are trying. God bless you. So that is it for this Screen Time special where we've been looking at the best horror movies of all time as chosen by me and Mark Ryle. You can continue to email us all week long, screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy. It just remains for me to... Wish you a happy remainder to your bank holiday weekend. And to thank my partner in crime who did the heavy lifting with me this week, Mark Ryle. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, John. And a happy Halloween to you all. Business as usual next week. Thanks for listening.